Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, folks. My name is Sonny Ture. I'm Akita G. And you are listening to the Fire This Time podcast. Fire, fire, fire. And we coming with that flame this week. Always. As always. So go and introduce yourself, man. I'm Sonny. I mean, I'm Aikido G. I'm, oh, I'm thinking I'm Sonny over there. That good over there, bro. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, no, I'm Aikido G, uh, local activist, working class black man, original man, whatever you want to call it. And thank you for joining us for Fire This Time. We're glad to be back to you again with episode 25. You know, as usual, we'll be shooting 25 shots out here now, kid. Mm. So that's a good thing, you know. A little milestone, you know what I'm saying? A little quarter of the, the hundred. Yeah, you know what I'm, I'm saying? Yeah, quarter of the hundred. Yeah, yeah we get a hundred episodes under our belt, and we can say that we quarter of hundred episodes. We're going to be in the game. Oh, yeah, no, we coming. We coming. Yeah, Y'all know we're not stopping. We're getting know, there. We're trying to upgrade the stuff. You know, we've been working on some new things, you know, working with some new camera lenses and, and shit like that. So, you know, we're going to try to get some better quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's, we should go on and acknowledge this is the first episode we were recording in, in full. Yeah. So, uh, please, uh, you know, thank you for joining us. We'll say that. On yeah. the visual tip, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I'll keep over there little camera shots while you're over there. Nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we might be a little... This is gonna be the rough drafts right here. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. Saying? We gonna we can look back at this a year and a half, two years from now, and they can be like, "Yeah, y'all improved." <laughs> that's what so, I'm saying. But hey, people that's listening, y'all here early, and we love you for it. That's what's up. That's so, what's uh, up. big ideas for this episode, episode 25. Uh, we're gonna be talking about some of the recent Malcolm X news that dropped. Yes. Uh, you know, from a police officer involved in his assassination, talking about some of the facts, you know, that he witnessed. And we're gonna get into it. So it's, it's it's some some big stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, you know, it ain't nothing that we ain't the the real Malcolm fans, the students of Malcolm ain't felt already. Mm-hmm. But it's good to um, to have it confirmed. Right. You know what I'm saying? That, right. You know, we've always figured that. That's probably some other angles to that that we can go at. But you know, we're gonna explore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna get up in there. Uh, other thing though, we're gonna review Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh yeah! So uh, the yes. recent film yes. about uh, William O'Neill, the snitch who participated in the assassination of Fred Hampton. You know, it also covers Fred Hampton's life and you know his life as an activist, as a uh, as a you know young father, yes. pro- father to be. Beautiful um, display. It, that that was an awesome movie, y'all. Yeah, me and Aki sat down and watched it earlier this week together. That was funky. Yeah, yeah, man. Beautiful movie. Uh, you know, a lot to say about the movie. We're going to get into it, but uh, that's how it struck us, off top. Off top. You know, beautiful movie. Just, uh, I mean, when it comes to black history movies. That got to black, go on your shelf. Where, yeah. I mean, Selma ain't touching that. Nah, we'll, get into it. we'll get into it. We're getting into it. I'm getting too deep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, let's uh let's go ahead and, and round back, you know what I'm saying? Uh so this week's fire is going to be that fire that we all feel inside when we heard about this recent news of Malcolm Mason read the letter. Uh like you said Aki, yeah, mm-hmm. we we knew about this before. We knew the FBI NYPD mm-hmm. was involved in Malcolm X's assassination. Yes. But to have a black man involved in it. Mm come out talk about and, and, and confirm so much of it you know uh i i can't lie i keep when i was reading the letter to you the, on monday yeah. my heart was beating fast you know i was on the, i was on yeah. the push so i was on the push so call later that night mm-hmm. we do the push so call 8 p.m on mondays mm-hmm. 
it was it touched all of us. I'm I mean, uh Mari shared that, you know, he was shaking hearing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now we know this, but you know, it, it was something for this generation to hear it. I mean, uh, you know, man, this is crazy, man. You know what I'm saying? How you can have somebody Malcolm, man. Is it, first of all, is this just a week of snitches? Like in the last two weeks, man, it's been nothing but snitches getting publicity. First Takashi Six Nine. Then we hear about this brother. Mm. Then we got the movie that came out that was basing it. Not the base. No, it's really not. A, I won't say the movie is about that. The movie is about Fred Hampton. It highlighted his life, but it also highlighted the mind and the mentality of a snitch. The weakest snitches, man. You really captured it right there. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. the weakest snitches, man. We've been on right. this lately, bro. I mean, you know what I'm saying? We don't know what's going on, but I mean, real talk. Yeah, this yeah, this Kashi yeah. shit. You already know that, but yeah, I mean the, the yeah. fact that both of these, the Fred Hampton joint and mm-hmm. the Michael Mesh joint, hit it the same week. Yeah, I mean it really do underscore the fact that you know we got decisions to make at this time. You know, in our people's history. Yeah, in the struggle, there's choices to make. You know, what I'm saying, what do we allow for, and what don't we? Are we going to learn the lessons from the past, or are we going to uh, not take up that mission? I mean, you know, you put it in this perspective. I mean. <clears throat> We don't find out shit until later. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to have COINTELPRO files to know COINTELPRO was going on. Mm-hmm. But COINTELPRO made it clear. Mm-hmm. The files made it clear to what they was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I think it is with this. You know, um, it, 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 it's validated now through history mm-hmm. with this right here. You know, um, true indeed. No white folks ain't came out. And tried to validate it, but who gives a shit? Right. The brother put this in the letter on his deathbed. You know, ancestors mm-hmm. was on his ass. I, mean, I think CNN covered it. You know what I'm saying? But they didn't validate. It. I think you know they just discuss it. Yeah. And just remark about it. Like, oh, ain't that some shit? We killed Malcolm X. <laughs> just keep it rolling. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, but let, let's actually dig into the letter. You know what I'm saying? So this is written by Raymond Woods, black police officer. Uh, he wrote he wrote it in 2011 as his health was failing. Mm-hmm. I believe he died this year. So yeah. he he wrote this well in advance, but you know, uh, of his death. But uh, I mean, to get into it, um, th- let's just go ahead and read it. You know, for the audience, Aki, I think that's the best way to to really cover this. Okay. And um, so let's go ahead and get it started. You know, this is written dr- January twenty fifth, twenty eleven, and it's titled "To Whom It May Concern." I go and start it off. Aki, you follow up. Gotcha. I Raymond A. Wood. Being of sound mind and body, wish to confess the following. I was a black New York City undercover police officer from April 1964 through May of 1971. I participated in actions that in hindsight were deplorable and detrimental to the advancement of my own black people. My actions on the behalf of the New York City Police Department, Bossy, Bossy, were done under duress and fear that if I did not follow the orders of my handlers, I could face detrimental consequences. Presently, I am aging with failing health. Recently, I have learned of the death of Mr. Thomas Johnson and are deeply concerned that with my death, his family would not be able to exonerate him after being wrongly convicted in the killing of Malcolm X. The facts are as follows. April 17, 1964, I was hired by the New York City Police Department 
Without training, I was immediately assigned to the Bossy Investigation Unit. My job was to infiltrate civil rights organizations through New York City to find evidence of criminal activity so the FBI could discredit and arrest its leaders. After witnessing repeated brutality at the hands of my co-workers, that's the police, I tried to resign. Instead, I was threatened with the arrest of pending of marijuana and alcohol trafficking charges on me if I did not follow through with these assignments. Under the directions of my handlers, I was told to encourage leaders and members of the civil rights groups to commit felonious acts. The Statue of Liberty bombing idea was created by my supervisor handler. Using surveillance, the agency learned that Bo and Saeed were key players in Malcolm X's crowd control security detail. It was my assignment to draw the two men into a felonious federal crime so that they could be arrested by the FBI and kept away from managing Malcolm X's Audubon Ballroom door security on February 21st, 1965. On February 16, 1965, the Statue of Liberty plot was carried out and the men were arrested just days before the assassination of Malcolm. At the time, I was not aware that Malcolm X was the target. On February 24, 1965, I was ordered to be at the Audemars Ballroom, where I was identified by witnesses while leaving the scene. Thomas Johnson was later arrested and wrongfully convicted to protect my cover and the secrets of the FBI and the NYPD. I have placed my full confession into the care of my cousin, Reginald Wood Jr., and I have requested that this information be held until after I have passed away. It is my hope that this information is received with the understanding that I have carried these secrets with a heavy heart, reasonably, and I reasonably regret my participation in this matter. Signed, Raymond A. Wood. Hmm. So one thing that strikes me about it, just to touch on it, for it loses my, I mean, it's outside my mind. He says, I have placed my full confession into the care of my cousin, Reginald Wood Jr. I wonder if this is his full confession or if it's, he has a fuller confession. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I mean, we got to think that, and it, damn, that's going to tie into the movie. But already, I mean, you already seen like his handler had given him a plot, you know, to get uh, the Malcolm X's security detail caught up. That's exactly what uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, William O'Neill, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, William O'Neill actually did this as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, tried to convince some Black Panthers to participate in a bombing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, to try to get them involved into an act that would, um, of course, uh, you know, get them locked up. Well, you know what? What I'm thinking of is from the angle of this. Mm-hmm. The fact that William O'Neill only knew one side of it mm-hmm. and didn't even know about the other side of the operation that was going on. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. forget, he was in shock when he found out they was planning on putting the hit on Fred. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I look at this situation with Malcolm in the same way. This man was only a piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. It was other operations going on. Think about it, Malcolm X was poisoned when he was across seas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the feds, we know the feds was on them. Um, it's a hell of a, that's a hell of a, you know, 
confession right there to take to your grave, especially when you look at the you got time to look at the condition of what black folks became. Mm. That's some G shit. Hmm. You know, I mean, ancestors are real. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that he could have done that and lived. I mean, even even if it was just because of fear, mm-hmm. you couldn't have done that and lived. Mm. You know, I think it was other factors that played into Malcolm going, but uh, he definitely sat on that while Thomas Johnson lived with the lie on him. Yeah, he didn't mind that doing that. Yeah, yeah, he didn't mind fucking up Thomas Johnson's life in that way. Mm-hmm. Because I'm gonna keep it real. That brother, I've seen a lot of documentaries, and it's been a couple of people that's hell. But two Lucy Gores was locked up. It was in the same prison as him. Mm. Tupac was in the same prison as him. Mm-hmm. And even Tupac said it. That man said he didn't do it. He said he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And they actually interviewed the guy. They interviewed all like it was like two of them, two mm-hmm. three of them that went in there. And they was like, nah, man, that man didn't do that. So ain't it real interesting, given all that, and given the implication of the FBI, NYPD's involvement, that a year before, about a year before this news came out, they released the, Nef- the Netflix documentary mm-hmm. highlighting only the NY- NOI, Nation of Islam, yeah. you know, uh, as the culprits, kind of leading away from the FBI and uh, NYPD involvement. Well, I think that's the other FBI plot. Mm-hmm. Um if you if you recall that interview that they that were recording, they have a Malcolm, mm-hmm. and the FBI had came to Malcolm, and was pretty much getting him to try to become a snitch. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm displayed the most honorable character as a revolutionary that you can see. And the fact that that's captured on audio. Yeah. Now a lot of people wonder how did that come to be? Mm-hmm. How did the audio get captured? Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you, you had to do some reading to find out, but. Uh, it was Malcolm X that installed the equipment. Mm-hmm. About yeah, his security. Yeah. His security installed a recording in his house, and he pretty much from what he he what they were saying was that they knew that there was always going to be a possibility of assassination, mm-hmm. and so you you know especially could come at the home, you mm-hmm. know. So if anything so, happened, yeah. Malcolm can immediately start audio recording. Exact advice that only his security know about. Yeah, ironically, these motherfuckers came to his house. <laughs> and think about that. Malcolm X was able to record the FBI mm-hmm. trying to get him to become a snitch. Yeah. Recorded himself doing the most honorable thing. The honorable, I'm talking about like, I ain't dropping no dimes on nobody, but you know what? This is the key. This is what I was saying yeah. at the mention. They told him, we already have people in the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. They already had plants in the nation. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, Malcolm X was the most well-known minister, and yes, he was put in that rank of Black Messiah with Elijah Muhammad and a couple other people. They brought Elijah Muhammad. They didn't count him. They didn't put him in there because they said he was too old. Mm-hmm. You know, but there were other high-ranking people that were around at the time that stirred up trouble and stuff. So they've always had people, you know, the same way they got city police task force that got involved in the Fred Hampton and the Malcolm and the LA chapters, all these movements. They had them for various different other places, whether it was in Philadelphia, with Brother James Shabazz, whether, you know what I'm saying? They had these set up. So, um, like, just to see, you know, I think that they, like I said, this that 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 man, his play, his part in it, mm-hmm. the Woods' part in it, was more of just a 
a piece of the puzzle. Right. You know, right. It was more going on because you think about it. They removed the security, right? And I, I've, uh, it was, you know, it was a statement made uh, by James Smalls one time. He said that he, and he felt this way the whole time, mm -hmm. you know, and he was in Malcolm X's security guard. And he said that it was funny because when that happened, all of those people that came or that was implicated to kill Malcolm, Malcolm would have knew him. He, I mean, like, he would have knew him. Mm -hmm. His security guards would have knew him. You know, because Malcolm... New Jersey, Temple Number no. 7, Temple Number no. 12, all these temples that's near them, he would have knew all of that stuff. You take the two people that's going to be like, nah, I don't trust him. You remove them, you know what I'm saying, from the picture. You know, that's the that's the role Woods played. Yeah, and we know, I mean, if we're speaking specifically about that day, February 21st, we know that there was nobody checking for weapons. Like it's, in standard protocol yeah. for, uh, for the OAAU at that time and the security detail around Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I think sometimes we get caught up in trying to think about just the, the I guess the supernatural, the, the the divine or the abstract in it. Yeah. But we had to, I think one useful way to talk about what happened to Malcolm X instead of the very big meta like uh, stuff behind it. Yeah. Is to talk about the organizational flaws that took yeah. place on that day. Yeah. You know, it, like. Malcolm X's security should not be up to Malcolm X. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That should it shouldn't be, not be in his True hands. security wouldn't have let you go up there that naked. Right. Period. They I don't care what you're saying. Malcolm X is too important and he like he doesn't make that call. We're talking about a democratic organization around Malcolm mm -hmm. that is flourishing and and operating. Malcolm X was trying to develop that yeah. In an organization of African Afro-American unity, mm -hmm. a lot of people that don't know that don't know that about his time in that organization, yeah. which really really is the high point of his politics. Yeah, and I mean this is what he was doing week after week at the Audubon Ballroom, weekly meetings. Yeah, this is what he this is where he was killed, where he held weekly meetings at. Yeah, not where he spoke. This is not a special occasion yeah. he was here speaking at. Yeah, he this, was actually this, he was supposed to be laying out the the uh, a full version of the aims yep. of OAU at that day. You yep. know, he already did a little rough draft when he had spoke to him about his mm -hmm. formation. But today, that that day, he was supposed to go into detail of the principles and things of OAU with the community. Right, Maria Sherwood, I think, wrote a book. I think I think that's her name. Uh, Sherwood wrote a book about Malcolm X's travels while he was overseas, mm -hmm. and she covers day by day his trip. Yeah, and his and his letters on those days mm -hmm. while he was taking these trips in the last year, year and a half of his life. Yeah, he's writing often to OAAU members. Yeah, trying to direct the organization in a way that he becomes less of the center mm -hmm. and gives more democratic control to the members yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a very important part of his political legacy. And if carried out, might have saved his life. Yeah. If if if, if it was taken to the fullest extent, uh, because you know security, I think would have been handled handled yeah. better. So um, and, and that's just one piece. Though I, I don't want to make it seem like that's the one lesson we should walk yeah. away. Of yeah. course not. Because you know I say this for Malcolm's assassination. There were, there, we had leaders who had tighter security than Malcolm for sure, and they got you for, know for sure. Um, it, you just, you know, it's, I, that's one of those things. See, it's like, you know, we never got to see Malcolm 
fully independent. Mm -hmm. Like, we seen him independent, but we never got to see him independent in his blossom, in his bloom. Mm -hmm. You know? And so that's always creates that type of feeling in us, like, damn. You know what I'm saying? I wonder what he would have been doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and we feel the same way about Martin and people like that, too. You know? But, man... So on on that subject, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, we get into Malcolm X's death and what it means, you know what I'm saying? We mm -hmm. keep going. Let, let's let's transition and talk about Fred Hampton and uh -huh. uh, the film that kind of covers, uh, you know, some of his life. But it does cover a significant portion of his life. I think yeah. we talked about that Monday mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, his uh, his time in the Black Panther Party. Um yeah, let's talk about that because you you mentioned Martin. I know and I know that uh, you have something you want to mention as we get going about Martin Luther King being in Chicago in the years before Fred Hampton's height, yeah. or or some of the the same. I guess you'll get into it. Uh, but yeah, let let's start with the movie though. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And uh, so just kick us off, kick it off, kick it off for us, Aki. I mean, what for you stood out in the movie? What uh, I guess the strengths of it, you know what I'm saying? You have any like major criticisms? You know, what uh, would you take away? One, I ain't got no. I don't think I got no criticism that's on my mind right now. Uh, one, the movie was um, brilliantly shot. Nice script. The the actors, my man, played Fred Hampton to the T. Mm. I mean, from this, the, from that, from that southern accent to you know what I'm saying. Just he he did my man well in that. Um, now, you know, when it just come to the movie and how the movie was set up, there was a, one, it was an excellent show of a young, vibrant, revolutionary. Mm -hmm. You know, in his prime, he got the energy. You know what I'm saying? His mind is working well. We got to remember, his mind wasn't even fully developed. Your mind don't even fully develop until you're 25. Mm. This man was like 20, mm -hmm. 21 doing this shit, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, the movie also showed an excellent example of black revolutionary nationalist love. Mm -hmm. You know, it showed the ups and downs, the worries that come with it, you know what I'm saying? When your woman looking at you like, you out here talking about dying for the cause. What about me and this baby? Mm -hmm. You know, it showed a, a strong black woman who was dedicated to the movement herself and dedicated to the man she loved. And still is. Yeah, still is. And when you know the backdrop of it, raised a revolutionary. So it's like that That just made it even better. Um, to get more into the, 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 the perspective that it came from. It came from the perspective of a snitch. And, uh... Rat. Yeah, rat. You just got to see the inner workings of a snitch's mind. Like, you know how they do the psychology on a psycho killer? Or serial killer, they need the psychology on a snitch. This, this this nigga went from the interrogation room to the diner to the family for the house. Yeah. Uh, to the uh, fancy restaurant, the five star joint. Yeah, yeah, five star restaurant. You know, you know getting this money along the way. Totally, it showed a man that was. Told, and it fits the name of the movie, Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas sold my, Judas sold Jesus out for thirty pieces of silver. Aki, I gotta say this real quick because we talked about this movie before on the podcast. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And uh, we was worried when we first seen that first trailer. I think the first time we talked about this movie in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We had a lot of concerns, and this movie really 
surprised both of us. So I got to give a shout out to Shaka King real quick. Yes. Uh, the director of the movie. Yeah, this uh, thing. Yeah. Aki and I both have watched some of your short films. And, uh, you know, and we, you know, and just after watching some of David Kalia's early interviews, that nigga was, like I said, the last episode, he was looking unconfident. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. About his ability to, to pull the role off. And I just could not see him summoning Fred Hampton from out his body. He did that. And I, he did it. He did and that. Shaka King, you shot the shit out that movie. He shot you know the shit what I'm saying? out that movie. So, uh, and, and for me, and let me say this about the movie real quick, too. I don't really, if, if if something is a really amazing piece of art, you know what I'm saying, the artist in me is stuck on that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm an artist first and foremost. A lot of people think maybe yeah. it's the intellect first or something like that. But I am an artist first and foremost. This movie is so good artistically, I haven't really been able to even like intellectually engage in, a, in like a real critique, major critique. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I know there's some people that, you know, on some type of principle basis are, you know, rejecting even watching the film or they have major critiques about the film. I think I've seen Tone Talks have a video, mm -hmm. major critiques about why the film was false and all this. Yeah. And, I've, and honestly, I haven't checked out none of that stuff, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or really yeah. dug into why they feel that way. I think right now I am just stuck as an artist just on this piece of art that is amazing, you know. And this comes from somebody that met Fred Hampton Jr. Mm -hmm. and his mother, you know. And the fact that they participated in this movie means a lot to me. The yeah. fact that they signed off on this movie and appeared in the photo at the end and, and directed what some of the what a lot of what was included it seems mm -hmm. about Fred Hampton, about COINTELPRO, about yeah. their relationship. Uh the fact that they signed off on it, it really, you know, just it's really heartfelt for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because uh, I met them in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Years before the Hampton House rescue thing that they own gained the legs that it has now. Yeah. Or the, the legs even had leading up to the film's release. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's something to see it all in the past five, six years. It's something to see it all coming to fruition. I mean, I haven't seen too many, I want to say mainstream movies that centered a nationalist in this manner mm -hmm. and really they didn't they didn't they didn't over, they didn't add to the story mm -hmm. they took a part part of the story and just told the story well I, I think they might have added some, and this, I haven't dug in intellectually to what they might have added oh, and when I say that meaning this of course names were covered mm -hmm. names of organizations were covered up mm -hmm. um but for instance, like the visiting panther, and this is a spoiler for those who've seen it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know about that. You, you're right. I feel you on that. Uh, the the visiting panther that came and ended up uh, talk. Well, he was talking about he was security for another uh, chapter. New Haven. New Haven. He ended up killing somebody that was a snitch, mm -hmm. and he was on the run visiting the Chicago chapter. Yeah. And what ended up being the case. Uh, William O'Neill found out yeah uh, at least in this movie found out was that that visiting panther was the snitch yeah and he killed somebody to, to cover for himself yeah to remain uh, a snitch and he's been going around the country fucking people up yeah now I'm sure that occurred yeah you know what I'm saying and uh, the history we know that occurred William O'Neill was that motherfucker yeah you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah and uh, but did that specific story occur yeah. with William O'Neill's life yeah. I don't know they might have added that in but with, I give them personally I give them art, that artistic no, but see, license, you know what I'm saying that's a, but see that's something bring some, out that story of a COINTELPRO knowing COINTELPRO yeah. 
We know that happened. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't looked into the Cointel profiles concerning Fred Hampton. Right. In the end of Chicago yeah. chapter. And I might need to do that because there may be something in those files that I just don't know and they did know because they sat down and they talked to the mother. Mm-hmm. And literally talked to the mother. And the mother is a panther. Back then, you wasn't getting these, like the way you get COINTEL profiles now and FBI files uh, now, they black them all out. But I remember in the 90s, like my mother said, she said when she seen COINTEL profiles, they weren't blocked out. The names wasn't blacked out. It was the actual freaking file. It was a, co- it was a copy of the freaking files. And um, real quick, Fred Hampton... Uh his um, uh, partner's name was Akua and Jerry. That I didn't want to dead name her. That was not her name during the uh, when this th- these things went down and Fred Hampton was killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't want to. I, I forgot her name. I didn't. I didn't want to keep on uh, referring to her as uh, you know Fred Hampton Jr.'s mother. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So Akua and Jerry. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Shout out to you and uh, you know, work on the Hampton House. And, and the lady yeah. and and the sister. I don't know her name, mm-hmm. but I've seen her in other movies before that played. That 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 woman. The movie was good. Mm-hmm. I I can I don't have no objection to it. I don't know what Tone Talk I had a problem with. I don't know, um, but. I personally liked the movie. Um, it gave a lot of different twists. It see, like even with that part, uh, that snitch, that needed to be in there to convey what was fucking going on. Mm-hmm. That that's what people don't like. A lot of times, I even when I talk to people that's younger than me, and I get to talking to them about this stuff, they don't really understand. Like I'm like, nah, bro, it's FBI files. You can go in there, Google this right here, COINTELPRO. Mm-hmm. It'll pop up. Mm-hmm. And they'll tell you right there with their own words, you know. And so what makes you think that just even with the hustlers, like even a lot of the hustlers and the G's in the street, they acknowledge it. They know because um, it's worth that. It, it's worth knowing. It's, it, it's a part of what they, they do. And it makes you think that they could do that then. What they doing now? So... Yeah, what they doing now with COINTELPRO. We can only imagine. Mm-hmm. We can only imagine. But I do want to put to put a stamp on, I do want to give another shout-out, Fred Hampton Jr., Akua and Jerry, for your work in the Hampton House, your work in Chicago, for the movement, and congratulations on raising the uh, uh, 350000 that you was looking for to save the Hampton House that you needed to do that. And hopefully you have raised much more since then uh, with the success of the movie. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, you know, uh, critiques might come for the what 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 you know this uh, movie, uh, per, you know, uh, ended up being. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I, I think we covered it. You know, as for, I, I'm good with how we covered it today. I'm like this. I'm gonna be buying a bootleg and putting it in the deck, <laughs> keeping it real. That's that's a movie I'm definitely purchasing, bro. I, yeah. I ain't even gonna if it coming, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. Now, if it if it if it, if it hits the stores, and, and probably Wally World will probably have it. Because I, I gotta say this: what movie about the Black Power movement is touching it? None. 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 What movie about the Civil Rights movement is touching it? 
None. I mean, the last I, joint, Birth of a Nation, was pretty decent to me. But that's, dog, that is not the, like, that's way. Yeah, yeah, you talking about in our contemporary time. Okay. Yeah, I, I th- like, now, like, I'm not, we can talk about a 12 Years a Slave, and I still think this is better. I think this movie is better than 12 Years Oh, a yeah, slave. it definitely gets me better. For me, I mean, th- look, this is the conversation we, niggas ain't ready to have. Yeah. Is this movie better than Malcolm X by Spike Lee? Now, bro, that's that's a conflict right there. I don't oh, okay. know if I want to have that conversation yeah, just pe- because just because I ain't gonna lie, man. You know, it's Denzel, brother. Yeah, it's Denzel. But the politics of this movie is much better than anything Spike Lee produced. I'll say this: the art mm-hmm. is better. The story, I don't even want to try to compare them because it's just like it's too soon. Look, I'm saying when uh, I say niggas ain't ready for that. I'm saying I also am not ready for that uh, because Malcolm X's story and Denzel and what Spike Lee did for that film yeah. is special. But but if I had to compare the artistic, um, just the way, you know, technology changed. Cameras got better, too. Right. But um, I would give it to Judas and, and Black Messiah. It's close. Now, I, actually, I would end. That's actually where I would hesitate going. I, I was more so on the, like, the set. I, I was more so really on the story and the politics. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Why I was maybe giving a lot the nod to Judas. When it comes to style and acting, style and acting might be with Malcolm X. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But story, you know what I'm saying? I, politics. I think, I think I think the result. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of, like I mean, as a nationalist, that sticks with me. Mm-hmm. You know that um both of them stick with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too because of a personal more, like even though I never met neither one of, mm-hmm. you know, Malcolm nor Fred Hampton, I I've, I am personally probably more tied to Malcolm, um, even with his politics. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard to avoid with just Malcolm being who he is. Yeah, in the same way, I'm pulled towards Fred, mm-hmm. you know, Sam, because of. His politics, they were the sort of the same politics. It was sort of like an evolution right, it was of a, those politics. That's how I see it, too. So, but, like, I, I guess, too, I've never, and I've, I found this out looking at this movie. I've, I've always researched certain aspects of Chicago, you know, but I've never really went and dug into the actual work or the actual, you know, Chicago chapter, Fred Hampton you know, and that that does make me want to go back and look and dig into that a lot deeper. And you know, one thing that we're reading to kind of together right now, off a suggestion from you, and we'll leave people with this is Max Stanford's mm-hmm. dissertation uh, on Ram. Yeah. And I think Ram's influence is important to note here, just because yeah. we know Ram is very influential with SNCC. Yes. And we know the Illinois Black Panther Party. I just learned today from you, Aki, was yeah. reminded if I learned it before, Bob Brown. Yeah. Was a SNCC member that started the Black Panther chapter in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Well, so, I'll say this. I don't know if Chicago, but he started him in Illinois. They say he started the Illinois chapter. Got you. Because we got a Peoria chapter. We had a Chicago chapter. Mm-hmm. We might have some other chapters. I don't know. But There's some strong connections there. You know what I'm saying? And the, uh, the, the influence of that revolutionary black nationalism, yeah. that, uh, you know, that, that's what we got to study. How did that come about? Because that's what we need again. Yeah. That's what we need again. I mean, you know, I think Ram is always going to be up in that. So, you know, um, even if their influence is from a distance. Mm-hmm. Because um, 
True indeed. Fred Hampton is said that Fred Hampton came, you know, he joined the party between 67 and 68. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. Um, the Pac Panthers have been around since 66. Black Panther Party Self-Defense has been around since 66. Black Panther Party in general has been around since about 65, 64. Mm -hmm. um, and Ram were heavily influenced in revolutionary nationalism. Mm -hmm. You know, they were heavily influenced. To be honest with you, Malcolm X was a member of RAM. Mm -hmm. It said that he was a member of RAM, and they were the youth wing or the underground movement for the Afro, the, or, the organization of Afro-American unity. Um, and Max Stanford says that. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it's... History, folks, it gets deep. Getting to your shit. You know learn learn yeah. your shit. So you know how you know how we coming on the fire this time, y'all. We some dot connectors over here. Yeah, you know. So, but we gonna have to stop there for this episode, man. We gonna keep it short uh, for this one and uh, try to fuck with these visuals a little bit. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know, I, I think we, you know, to put a stamp on it, you know, shout out to. Um, you know, uh, all the people in Chicago doing that work, you know, related to the Hampton House and just, mm -hmm. you know, that community work that's so important and uh, definitely setting a model for, you know, the rest of us. So, uh, and yeah, anything you want to leave? leave people you know, with? shout out to the ancestors, those fallen ones that spilled their blood for the struggle. Uh, plenty much love to them. And, uh, hey, that's about it. Go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see know, that you, movie. You can't say go see the movie. Sit your ass down on your couch. Contact you. contact the friend with an HBO Max account. There you go. Get that password to home five or something. Call it a day. No. Nice shot of Hennessy. <laughs> All right, y'all. Free land. Free land. Peace.